what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome back to My Dad Watches The Bachelor. I'm Meredith, and I'm here with my co-host, my dad. Hey, Meredith. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. I, I've i been told you don't didn't enjoy last night's episode. Well, that's because just when we were talking before we started, I said it was an awful episode. So, yes, uh, you got that from, from a good source. <laughs> um, it wasn't my favorite episode either. It was a bit heavy for week two of dates. Um, you know, I feel like after the heaviness that was Matt James season as well, like I, I would love to just have some lighthearted entertainment on a Monday night. You know, Mondays already suck enough. But I, we had a lot of man tears last night, and it's just, it was a lot to take in. Uh, so it appears the way to Katie's heart is to to open yourself up and show, throw out all your secrets and show that you're incredible, incredibly vulnerable. You know, I, I was waiting for someone to say, I killed a man in Tucson and set a dog on fire or something like that and and would automatically get the rose because it was just this continual, we need you to share your awful secrets and put them out there for the world to see. Yeah, I think we can just, let's start with our lows because I think that this is what our lows are going to be with this spill your gut dates with Nick Vial who is a former Bachelor and Bachelorette contestant and Bachelor in Paradise contestant. He's He's been around the block with the franchise, and he essentially hosted a group date where everyone sat in a circle on some folding chairs. Like, I imagine what, like, a an AA meeting would look like w- with no snacks, though. And everyone – he basically was like – you guys need to open up and be vulnerable to Kate with Katie and everyone starts spilling their sob stories. Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't know. It looked like one of those sort of uh, scenes from, from prison where, you know, they have the the sharing time with the counselor and, and they're all going to admit to these awful things that they've done. And, and I was texting you because I'm not familiar with, with Nick, the interventionist, uh, and what his qualifications would be to host this, I, I hesitate to call it a date. I, you know, it, it, it was more of a, you know, some, some sort of counseling session or something. So I don't, I, I'm seriously doubt he's got any qualifications whatsoever to be the person to facilitate such a, such a, a meeting. His qualifications are that he thinks very highly of himself. So I I liked Nick as the lead, and I think he's fine. But he he's very arrogant and a little too confident in his abilities. But I I just felt very uncomfortable watching these guys share their deep secrets and crying. And it'd be one thing if like they want to share it with Katie in a one on one setting, but like being basically like forced to do it in this group setting. And I know like obviously if they shared it with Katie one on one, or if they shared it here and the group date all of america is going to see it but it just felt more forced and uncomfortable in a group setting 
And the very first fellow to share his story was was Hunter, who set the sharing bar at, I failed my marriage and destroyed my children. Good luck for the rest of the guys to beat that one. You know, it's like, here's the bar. I'm setting it. Go for it. Yeah. And and he started crying. And I don't think that we knew Hunter had children until he told that story. I didn't know about it. Um, And then we have Connor B, who takes us on this roller coaster where I thought we were talking about maybe his alcoholism, but I'm not sure if he is an alcoholic. He just ended up cheating on a girlfriend. And it just, I feel like the, those were like the only two full stories that we got. And then we got Thomas, who, as the episode progressed, reminded me of um, a Michael Scott meme where he has like a in the moment interview where he's like sometimes I just open my mouth and I don't know what's going to come out of it I don't know where my sentences are going to lead me and hopefully they just kind of stop eventually and Thomas just seems to be like word vomiting and like didn't get the sense of like we're supposed to talk about deep things and he's like oh yeah I was I was coming on here for the platform but when I met you I actually started to have feelings for you, which I think is fair. I think that if all the men are being honest with themselves, it's probably true for most of them. But he just seemed to like keep going with it. And it didn't seem to sit well with most of the people on the date. Uh, particularly Aaron, who uh, you know seems to find reasons to get the... Uh, you know, go into testosterone-induced rage. So this might be a hot take, but I kind of like Aaron's testosterone-induced rages. <laughs> uh, I guess it makes for good TV, and 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 I agree with you that what Thomas was saying. These guys are coming onto a show. I I guess this this season maybe they knew a little bit more about the Bachelorette than than they might have in previous seasons. I don't know when they sign up for this stuff, but you know it seems to me that they come onto these shows. They're going to meet an attractive, hopefully interesting woman, person, if you know, whatever. And if if th- if something happens and there's some sparks there, that's great. But hey, I'm getting to go on some exotic travel. I'm getting to be on TV. These guys and ladies, when it's the bachelor season, must there must be a little bit of a thought process that works like that as well. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's like, you know, I worst case scenario, I go home night one and don't really build a platform off of this. But like, I think best case scenario, if I'm not winning, I can make a lot of money off of Instagram sponsorships and do some ads there. Or I could become The Bachelor, which Thomas later admits to the men that, yeah, that thought crossed my mind, which again, I think that if all the men were being honest with themselves, they would admit to that too. Like, if I ever went on the show, I think in the back of my mind would be like, you know, this doesn't work out. Maybe I could be The Bachelorette. Like, maybe America will love me. And I'm sure that that is a very normal thing that these men are just like on their high horse about being like, oh, no, I would never. I'm here for the right reasons. Like, or, I'm, calling, or, I'm calling bullshit on that. Or, or you know, if they're fortunate, they might get to go to Chlamydia Island and, and be on another show with uh, with uh, other people. Yeah. Yeah. There's there are a lot of platforms like this is just a good jumping point. You know, there are a lot of things that could happen just from being on the show. 
Well, yeah, just to sum up, you know, in, in my notes, I just wrote worst date ever, man, man circle sharing personal secrets. No. Group guy, guy group hugs. No. You know, we, we need to stop this. It was, it was just very painful. There's a bit of toxic masculinity coming out of your notes there, I feel like, but I I didn't enjoy it just because it felt too early for us to be sharing our deep, dark secrets and crying with each other. You know, maybe like a top six type thing would be more appropriate, but I love a good man hug, so I, I don't agree with you there. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm pro-sharing. I hug my buddies. These guys aren't really buddies. They're getting thrown into the man circle, getting thrown into the situation. They're being blindsided by, hey, guess what we're doing today? I just felt it was very inappropriate. Yeah. I, I, I'm fine sharing my my secrets with my significant other, my best buddies, but this just, just didn't do it for me. That's fair. You know, I think week two, we need to have like, some type of fun, lighthearted group date, which we haven't haven't have not gotten yet. So hopefully, this next group date that we get to see next week is is a bit better. Um, my other low of the episode was hearing about Michael's life story of his wife getting breast cancer seven months after giving birth, and them going to a bunch of hospitals and trying to join clinical trials and find a cure and how she passed away two months ago. I was very emotional, like hearing him first tell the men about it before his date and then him telling Katie about it on their date. But I, I don't know. I thought that like the way he talked about it, it was very endearing and genuine and it was sad. It was a sad story, but like he, he seemed very open to finding love again and like talked about how he's so lucky that he gets to fall in love twice. Like he just had such a great outlook on it. It was so sweet. So this, this was a low light or a highlight for you? Like the low light of his wife dying, obviously, but then it kind of turned into a high of like how he told Katie and like, it just, it seemed to impact Katie so much. Like she got very emotional about it when she was having her interview afterwards, like Michael just seems like a really good guy. I, I, I have some thoughts about that, which we'll get to later. Okay. Um, I, I have a couple of other lows. Well, I don't know if this is a low. I, this is more of a question to you. Our friend Carl, who did not last very long in tonight's last night's episode, kept saying, I'm not putting anyone on blast, bro. What does that mean? Um, that means that he, they wanted him to name specific names of who's not there for the right reason. And Carl refused to give specific names because he was lying and didn't have any. So he, he's using that as an excuse. I'm not going to put anyone on blast. I mean, I'm not going to call anyone out. Although it seems like Thomas might've been one of the people who might not be there for the right reason. But anyway, uh, so that's what that means. So thank you for clarifying. Mm-hmm. And my, my other low light was I was really disappointed in Tasha and Caitlin when Katie, I guess, was dealing with her Carl issue of who's lying, who's telling the truth. She's looking for wise advice during the rose ceremony. She comes out and, and they look at her and say, well, it's your decision. <laughs> they really did not give her any advice. 
Uh, I thought it was a total punt. They looked confused. I didn't find them to be very helpful. So I, I put that as a low light. Yeah. I like Katie needed some girl talk, some girl advice there. And, and maybe it was just the editing. Maybe we got some advice there that, that just wasn't shown, but I feel like Katie coming to them and saying, this is my problem. And they're like, Oh, that's tough, but it's up to you. Like, That's just not that helpful. I agree. Not very helpful. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any other lows? That was enough of the lows. Okay. so, so let's get into the highs. I already talked about how I like Michael. He seems like a very genuine guy. And you can see that there's some chemistry between him and Katie. Um, but we can't forget about my one true love, Greg. Because my, my first high of the night was when Katie, before the rose ceremony, Katie comes in and basically cancels the rest of the cocktail party, saying she doesn't have the capacity to talk to the rest of the men. You know, she's been crying. She's upset. And Greg, such a sweetheart and gentleman that he is, you know, Katie walks away and Greg follows her to check and make sure that she's okay and like has a little heart to heart with her. And he's just so sweet. I love him so much. Well, and and they seem to have some bond that they're so, so in terms of the person that maybe could comfort her. In, in a more sincere fashion than some of the other guys who might be just trying to make points, he was probably the right person to, to, uh, to go do that much probably to the dismay of all the other guys, because uh, he might just be cementing his bond there, but mm-hmm. uh, good for Greg. I don't know if I was looking into it, but I felt like Katie said something along the lines of like, it's hard that I don't know if I can be confident in the connections with any of the guys I have out there meaning like she knows she can be confident in her connection with Greg and like, she's not worried about him, which I think is good. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't pick that, that part of it up, but that could be good for Greg. My, my last high was that we got some prime footage of Greg and Christian in the hot tub together. And we, I bet that made the hot tub about 50 degrees hotter. Let's just, it, there wasn't much. There wasn't a lot of great things going on this episode, and that that was definitely high. I'm still I'm still struggling to figure out who's who for a lot of these guys. So it just looks like, hey, there's some guys in a hot tub. I couldn't tell which was which. <laughs> well, you should know who Greg is at this point. I'm disappointed in you. Well, obviously, you weren't looking at his face. You were you were looking at his his muscular shoulders and and all that. And all his that face. Good. Okay, and his face. It's a full package. I'm a full package kind of girl, Dad. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you know, and, and their mind and their sense of humor is also important as well. I'm sure that's important to you as well. Of course. Full, full package. Full package. So, uh, so other highlights for me, which I, I I struggled to find highlights this time. I I respected the fact that on the worst date ever when they're in the sharing circle that Katie also did share some very personal information about herself, uh, that if she's going to 
put these guys through this grinder of, of sharing their intimate information. At least she felt that she could share her intimate information. And mm-hmm. so, uh, although I felt it was weird that she said, even my mom doesn't know this. I'm hoping that she spoke with her mom before this ended up on television. Um, so, and my other highlight was, Katie's a badass dune buggy driver. You know, she uh, she turns over the dune buggy, but doesn't seem to slow her down. She's still uh, going pretty crazy there on her date. Yeah, I like how how Michael is like. Yeah, I trusted you as a driver, and Katie's like, "Well, I got a little confession to make." <laughs> now, see, I I, I could have gone there low light of of saying, you know, stereotyping women drivers, but I didn't do that because you know I I do not have toxic masculinity. Yeah, just, wow, I mean, you're such a feminist. I know. There you go. <laughs> okay, so that's all our highs. That's all I got. All right. Well, let's let's get into the right reason. Let's keep things positive here. Um, I'm giving it to Mike P., our resident virgin, for, quote, protecting the queen and, you know, using his opportunity during the rose ceremony in front of everyone in the house, telling Katie that the men, quote, as a unit, think that Carl was being untruthful and that the men were there for the right reasons and and that they don't really know what he's talking about. And I think that that shows a lot of confidence that he was willing to like step up and do the right thing in front of everyone. And I think that that, that got him some brownie points. Actually, that was something that I also put down as a right reason, but I did put in parentheses that he did it after he got the rose. I think it would have been more courageous for him if he had said something to Katie or if any of the guys had said something to Katie before they got the rose. So Mm -hmm. I, I I do put an asterisk next to that right reason there uh, for, for Mike. That's fair. So, so anyway, that, that, that was also a right reason for me. And another right reason for me was just the fact that Katie did ditch Carl and he, he had a very strange exit. Yeah, he sort of stumbled around. It was obvious that all the guys had turned on him. So it wasn't like they were saying, bye, bro, you know, and doing their bro hugs here, which that is an appropriate time for bro hugs. I'm okay with that. Uh, but no one wanted to bro hug Carl. And I don't think Carl was looking for any bro hugs. But, he seemed like uh, he was kind of looking for some. He's like, no one's going to say bye to me. I'm like awkwardly standing here. And like, I'm curious if it was editing or if if that actually happened and he, he stood in front of Katie with his back to her and then just kind of walked out. Yeah. I, I thought that was sort of, I thought that was very poor form on his part that at least he should have said something to Katie and saying, I'm sorry you feel that way. I I think you're making a mistake, but I respect your decision, something like that, but uh, didn't get anything there. Yeah. I still can't believe that he's an a motivational speaker. He, that's just not really what I would imagine a motivational speaker to be like. And, you know, he's like boxing, getting prepared for the rose ceremony, like hyping himself up. It's just, he just doesn't really seem to have, he doesn't seem to get it. Yeah. So anyway, you know, kudos to Katie. I thought mm-hmm. that, that that qualified as a right decision there. Yeah. I've had her as a right reason as well. So for wrong reason, I was kind of struggling with this because 
Carl, like, obviously is a wrong reason, but he's gone. I don't want to talk about him anymore. And then we – it feels like our newest villain is Thomas, but I don't necessarily think that he is in it for the wrong reasons. I think that he just isn't articulating himself well, and it seems like he's just trying to be smooth and tell Katie what she wants to hear. And I don't, I don't think it's a wrong reason, but I'm giving it to him anyway, so I don't have anyone else to talk about here. And he did, in my book, make a mistake by saying that his time is worth more than Aaron's time. I don't think that was smart. I think that's a, a bad way to make friends in the house. And I think that he is going to be public enemy number one, at least until Blake makes his appearance. Well, I... I... I actually put down Aaron as the wrong reason just because he seems too fixated on administering bro justice, you know, that, that he seems to think he's the guy uh, that is going to take a stand against, you know, first he's taking a stand against Carl. Now he's taking a stand against Thomas. He's going around saying uh, that Thomas is a psychopath. That seemed a bit over the top. Um, Thomas might be a bad guy, but it, it just seems like he's he's overstepping his responsibilities and he needs to stay in his lane. So I, I put Aaron down as, look, I, you might not like some of the guys, but you seem to be taking this so personally. You need to focus a bit on building your relationship with Katie and not just uh, you know being being the super protector of Katie. I kind of enjoy. Aaron's search for bro justice. I think I find it quite entertaining. Like if I were going to have to choose oh, Aaron or Thomas, like right now I'm leaning more towards Aaron just because he seems more, he seems more. Um, he seems angry. I don't think you want to. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I if you're going to choose between be, those two, fine, but he just seems mad and angry. I would be angry too, though, if like, Thomas came and stole some of my time because it seemed like he needed to tell Katie something important. And he's like, yeah, I just needed to tell her my feelings. And he's like, Aaron's like, dude, that's what I was doing too. Like your time isn't more valuable than mine. And, and then for Thomas to sit there and look at you and be like, actually, yeah, it is like, that would piss me off too. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't fault Aaron for that. And, and, you know, I think it's fun when a man like is a little catty and gossips with the other guys. And it's like, look at this psychopath over here. Like, I think it's entertaining. And also Thomas, I just don't think he gets it either. And like, he kept saying, you can't have fear without love and comparing fear and love. And I was just thinking, I'm like, you can't have fear without love. I completely disagree. That makes no sense. Um, Snakes, no love there. Lots of fear. Scary movies, lots of fear. Still no love. Men in flip-flops while not at a beach or pool. That's awful. That's scary. No love there. I don't think that Thomas knows what he's talking about. He just seems confused. You know, know, as a side tangent, you know, uh, your your brother gave me a a new pair of Crocs for my birth, uh, for Father's Day, and I love them. They're great. Okay, well, one, Crocs aren't flip-flops, and two, we use those a lot as a unit, as a family, to walk the dog. So it's good to have a second pair. But but you wouldn't wear those out in public. 
No, I just wear them. I'm not going downtown in my Crocs, but I'm just saying. But but the, your brother was also telling me that they're sort of making a comeback. Some of the people that he's worked with, like, go to work in Crocs. Young people. So anyway, I, I wouldn't call that a comeback. I would just say that, you know, we've been living in a pandemic and bars have been lowered. All right. Well, we're going on a tangent. So I've got another wrong reason that I need to get off my chest. Okay. And it, it sort of goes back to what you were saying about Michael. And, and I thought that that was a, an emotional and authentic story, what he, was, uh, what he shared with Katie, that his wife of 16 years passed away. But I guess I just have a problem with my wife has been gone for two years, and now I'm leaving my four-year-old son, who doesn't have a mother, for a month, two months, three months. I don't know how long he's going to be gone to try to find his new mother, to try to find the spark, to put the spark back in his life. And I I lost my mother when I was a pretty young person, not a four-year-old, but I really think that I would be pretty damn resentful if my father went away for months uh, in this sort of situation. So I, I find it to be... the. The wrong reason, I, 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 I totally understand the fact that he wants to find another love and put his life back together. For, for me, doing it on a reality TV show is totally inappropriate. I think that's fair. And I think that that's, that's something that we come across every season when we have single parents. Maybe this is on a different scale since it's a, a widow or type situation. But I think that he explained it pretty well to Katie. And he was like, my son deserves the happiest version of his father now. And it's like, but I thought it was weird that he's like, he's like, I'm putting that on pause so that he can have the happiest version of his father. And I'm like, I don't really think you can put like having a child on pause per se. It sounds a little questionable, but I think that he did a good job of spinning it as best as he could. I, 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 he seems like a very nice guy and a very sincere guy. And I, so I, I, but, but I just have to say that to, to come on a show when your wife has only been gone for a couple of years, when you have a young son like that, the, the whole situation made me feel very uncomfortable. Well, maybe he's got some great grandparents to stay with. Well, I, I suspect that's where they are, but, but still, I, I would find that's going to be hard on on a four year old. So that's, that's I had to, I, I had to say that. So anyway, move along. All right, my MVP of the episode is going to Katie for opening up about her sexual assault and sharing her story with the world. You know, I think it's really important for women to see something like that on such a large platform, so that. If it has happened to them, which I think it's happened to like one in five women, like they know that they aren't alone. And I think it was just, it was really impactful. And Katie's a very strong woman. Um, and it's great to see the growth that she's had with her outlook on sex since the assault happened. Okay. Well, I, I think that's that's very fair. And and and, and very brave of her to, to say what she said, share that with people. Okay, so some fatherly advice to wrap us up. So a couple of thoughts after watching this show. 
Number one, that it's good and appropriate to share intimate information with your significant other or someone you think could be your significant other. But if you want to share intimate information, don't do it on your group date with a bunch of guys that you don't know that well and don't do it on television. And second piece of advice, which came from the end of the Katie and Michael date, put down your phone, look up in the sky and enjoy the stars and enjoy nature. There's some incredible things out there. Yeah, you don't want to miss O'Brien's belt. Or whoever's belt. Now, everyone go out and give our our podcast five stars and then shut your phone off. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's some great, great fatherly advice, especially the five stars part, you know. There you go. Well, I think that's all we have. So hopefully next week's episode will be a bit more lighthearted. So join us next time to hear more about Katie's season from the right perspective and my dad's. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.